and there is nothing better than our Lord Jesus. Let's just take a moment and just open up with prayer. God, we believe those words. You are the God that brings dead things back to life. Nowhere else that we'd rather be than right with you. So God, we just carve out this time now. Now this is our time where we specifically, like we get to meet with you all throughout our week, but this time we get to do it together. So God, we just make space for you. Lord, would you take center stage? Use this time to communicate whatever you would to your people. God, we posture ourselves ready to listen, ready to hear from you. So in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we're nearing the end of our series called Pray Like Jesus. And in this series, we ask the question, if you haven't heard it, around here we say that we exist to live and love like Jesus, but we feel like, man, if, if we have a conviction around prayer, we have to start by learning what it looks like to pray like Jesus, right? So we started by looking at the Lord's Prayer. Jesus was asked, how, how should we pray? Or teach us how to pray, and he responded with this prayer. And so we, we took a deep dive into that and unpacked prayers of adoration, a prayer of contending or intercession. And today, we actually want to deviate a little bit from that path to look not at a way that Jesus taught us to pray, but actually a way that I believe Jesus practiced how to pray. And so we want to look at that, but uh, first I want to start just kind of by identifying the problem. Like, what's the problem that we're trying to solve uh, with this type of prayer? And I think it comes back to the idea of noise, noise in our culture. I mean, how many of you know that we are inundated with noise in everything around us? Have you noticed that? If you're like me, you probably haven't because it's everywhere we look. We don't know any different. It's all around us. Even our silence isn't silent. Like we're always surrounded by even just the, the hum of the fluorescent lights or the HVAC system that's constantly running in the background. There's always something happening. And it's important to note that most people have not experienced true silence. And noise in our culture, I believe it's actually not just about sound. It's, it's about all of the other distractions that fill our lives. It's, it's things like our media feeds, it's our little league games, it's social media or home projects, you name it. I mean, we all have some way that our noise is, is contributing to this idea. I'm no different, I'm preaching to myself here. You can ask my family, because I, I love music, and so I almost always have some kind of good music playing in the background. I love learning and uh, I love uh, new information. So I'm the kind of guy that when I get into my car, I rarely drive without a podcast going in the background. I know many of you might be the same. Funny story, I was actually here late uh, Wednesday night just trying to finish up my message. So my mind is constantly around this, this idea of like the noise in our culture and the issue that that creates for us as disciples of Jesus. So I finished up, I pack up my bag and just by muscle memory, I grab my Bluetooth headphones and toss them in so I can listen to a podcast on my way to my car. I couldn't even make it to my car before I wanted to start hearing something in the background after I've been thinking about this all day. There's a problem with that. And I think, I think the problem isn't that we want uh, to have something to listen to, because there's, there's music that feeds our soul. There's information that feeds our mind and our hearts. That's not the problem. So, so why is sitting in stillness and silence so difficult? I resonate with what Dallas Willard says. He says that silence is frightening. 
It strips us as nothing else does, throwing us upon the stark reality of our life. It reminds us of death, which would cut us off from this world and leave only us and God. And in the quiet, what if there turns out to be very little to just us and God? Think what it says about the inward emptiness of our lives. If we must always turn on the tape player or a radio or Spotify or Netflix or a podcast to make sure something is happening around us. See, like I said, these things aren't inherently bad, but I think it's possible for us to use these habits to cover up an inward emptiness, like a void that we feel when the noise suddenly stops. Maybe, maybe that's our temperature gauge. Maybe that's like the light on the dashboard that goes off. How do you feel when you're alone with God or alone with just the thoughts in your mind? Where does your mind go? Do you, do you feel comfortable? Or does, does some sense of anxiety set in? Have you ever been at a restaurant where, where the dull roar makes it really, really hard to participate in any kind of conversation? Or maybe, maybe you have a friend who likes to drive in the car with the music so loud that you can't hardly think, much less carry on a conversation. Or, or maybe you're that friend. It can make it really, really difficult. It's like, it's, it's agitating. There's a sense of anxiety that sets in with this. I, I experienced this with my family just a little while ago. We were at a restaurant here in town and we got seated next to a freezer. And uh, the freezer had like this kind of, you know, hum that was going on in the background and, and nobody noticed it, but you started to realize that people are having to talk really, really loudly. And oh, yeah, can you say that again? I didn't quite get that. And, and there's this anxiety and your, your temperature uh, starts to elevate, your heart rate speeding up and you're trying to figure out what's going on. Why do I feel this way? And then suddenly it just stopped. We found ourselves in the silence. And it was refreshing, but, but it, can be, it can be challenging too. Now let's do this together. Let's, let's take 30 seconds. We're just gonna take 30 seconds to try and sit in the silence and see what that feels like together. There was 30 seconds. Feels like an eternity. It's the length of the average commercial. We're so used to filling it with noise, but it's uncomfortable, isn't it? You see, we all, we all know this feeling. And when we're sitting in that restaurant and that, that freezer was going, the crazy thing was we didn't notice how loud it was until it stopped. And it's quiet and it's still. I think, like I said, this, this is the temperature gauge for us. So, Think about it, how did you feel when, when we took a few moments of silence? Maybe it felt like a relief to you. Maybe it felt like really uncomfortable. Maybe you just can't wait for it to be over. You see, I, I think that the Bible speaks to this problem and it even offers the solution. So today we're gonna talk about contemplative prayer. Now the name itself suggests that there's some space we have to create to be able to thoughtfully approach the Lord. One author describes contemplative prayer as moving from just a, a speaking to God to a whole person encounter with God. 
See, when most of us think about prayer, we think about talking to God, but what does it look like to pray with more than just words? I believe that the goal of contemplative prayer is experiencing our union with God. Richard Foster defines it as a loving attentiveness to God. Now, I've used this analogy before, uh, but pretend you're somebody who's found a new love interest, and maybe some of you have experienced that. You, you just want to be together with this person all the time. You want to cook together. Maybe you're just sitting across the room from one another, reading a book or watching a movie together. And I know my wife and I experienced this when we first started dating. It was like, we just wanted to be together all the time. So suddenly I'm looking forward to something like homework, which I would never look forward to, but we're going to be doing it together. So I'm excited just to be with her. But then there's these moments where where things uh, take a turn because you guys are suddenly not just in proximity to one another, but you're on the couch next to each other face to face. And you can gaze into one another. I'm not talking about some kind of sexual intimacy here. I'm talking about just genuine connection. It's different than just being in proximity together because you are, you are becoming one. You're, you're intimate. It's intentional. This is what we're describing with contemplative prayer. Contemplative prayer is turning your attention and your affection toward the Lord. And from that place, prayer moves from this, this one-way uh, conversation that's actually more of just like a monologue to, to a two-way conversation, whereas this, this intimate dialogue between two people that have entered into a covenant relationship. So why now? Why, why would we choose this moment to talk about something like contemplative prayer? How is this applicable to our moment in history right now? Because I look around and I see our culture and I think, okay, contemplative prayer, like that sounds like something that I should do when when everything is kind of calm and, and serene, and so I can just sit in the stillness and quiet and enjoy my time with the Lord. But, but look around, things are falling apart. Like this is a time for intercession. We gotta pray contending prayer, right? But look at what it says in Psalm 46 that we heard read earlier. It starts out in verse one. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, listen to the language here. Earth gives way, the mountains fall and quake and the seas are roaring. Does any of this sound familiar? I think if we were to transport some of this language into our modern context, it might say something like, so we will not fear though pandemics are surging, people are rioting, nations are dividing, innocent people are being killed. Though we are too busy, though work is crazy, though my kids are running in 10 different directions, though we have another Little League game coming this weekend, though we're all just trying to survive until the next vacation. You see, the the psalmist starts to paint a picture of God who is our refuge and strength in spite of everything falling apart around us. Israel at that time understood far better than we do what it looks like for the world to be falling apart. I mean, the intense language here in this psalm it shows that this was written during a time of calamity and crisis and chaos. It was probably something like famine or, or war. And yet it's clear that regardless of the circumstances, their protection was found in the Lord. And apparently in the midst of chaos, the psalm goes on to say, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God 
the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. A river in our city. Now here in the Ohio River Valley, I don't know what image or what feelings or emotions a river in our city conjures up for you, but for an ancient in the Middle East, a river means life. It means we can water our crops. It means I can feed my livestock. It means my people can survive. The prophet Ezekiel talks about a river when he's describing the future coming fullness of the kingdom of God. And he talks about a river that's flowing out of the temple all the way down to the Red Sea and everything it touches turns into life and flourishing. The idea here is where this river flows, there's hope. Everything's gonna be all right. It goes on to say in verse six, nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. Listen here, he lifts up his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he's brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. You see, God is still with us. And he comes in to save the day. He is the one who puts an end to the chaos and the calamity. He is the one who brings order to the disorder. So, so how are we supposed to respond? Like, what's our role to play in all of this? What is our response as the people of God? Verse 10, he says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. I wanna focus in on the imperative here. What's the command for the people of God in the midst of crisis and chaos? It's not to, to brace yourselves and jump into action. No, it's, it's to be still and know. Be still and know. The Hebrew here is Rafa yada, these two words. Rafa is translated be still. It, it could be translated to stop fighting, to cease striving, to stop trying so hard, just relax. It, means literally to, to let your body go slack. Then there's this word yada, to know, to perceive. It means more than just head knowledge. It means, it means to become aware, to increase our awareness. It's actually a word that describes intimacy. It's the same word used when it said that, that Abraham knew his wife and she conceived. It's a very, very intimate knowledge. Be still and know. Eugene Peterson in the message uh, translates this, to step out of the traffic and take a long, loving look at our God. In the hustle and multitasking, life-hacking world that we live in that might just be falling apart, we are called to, to stop for just a second to receive this long, loving, gentle encounter with the, with the God of the universe. If you resonate with the problem, the solution is clear. It's to stop trying to just do all the time and just be. It's compelling, isn't it? It's like this, this countercultural punk rock, stick it to the man response to a chaotic world. When everything is reeling, just relax. Take a deep breath. Let your body go slack and let your mind return back 
to the intimate personal awareness that we have a God who created all of this and is actually the one in charge. That simple realization, it should change everything. And it is, it is the Everest of human ego to think that we can solve the problem of the world around us. It's ridiculous when you stop and think about it, and yet we still talk like it's true. We still try to live as though we can do such a thing. But God calls us to something much, much simpler. It's almost offensive in its simplicity. It's that loving attentiveness to God that actually provides the hard reset to the software of our souls. I think it's the same thing that Jesus is getting at when when he talks uh, centuries later in John chapter 15. He says this in verse four, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This word that we read here translated as remain, it's the Greek word meno, and it just means to be continued present. It's translated often like abide or or to rest and to be held, to be continually connected with. Jesus uses the picture of a branch with the vine. So if you ask the question, like, can, can you operate on your own power? Were you meant to do this on your own strength and energy? I think Jesus would pose the question in return, can a branch bear fruit without the vine? See, you were designed, I was designed to remain continually connected to the source. And it is this meno, this remaining, this abiding that paints a beautiful picture of a life of stillness and awareness of the God of the universe. Be still and know. I believe that awareness of God leads to awareness of self, which leads to awareness of others. And think about it, if you, if you were to retreat away to be with the God of the universe, I don't know if you've ever done this, but for me, like, I start to feel all of these emotions bubbling up and start, start to realize that I have this great fear that, that I can't let go of, or maybe, maybe this frustration of this particular person that I can't seem to move beyond. All of these emotions start to bubble up, and you become aware of those things, and I think what culture would have us do is to turn on Netflix and shove those things to the side, but instead, no, we bring them to the Lord. We offer them to him for healing. And we find who we truly are in him. And then it's from that place that we move out into service and ministry to others. See, being connected to Jesus, our source of life, is actually what drives us out into mission. So many times we create this false dichotomy. We, we tend to picture two kinds of people in the world. There's the kind of people that, that love to get away, to be alone with God and to spend time worshiping him and praying to him. And then there's the other kind of person that really, really enjoys getting out there. They're the kind of people that get stuff done. They wanna be active. Jesus tells us a different story. The life of the disciple is when these two things come together. Not only did Jesus teach this, but, but he modeled it as well. I love how the book of Luke describes Jesus, often resorting to running away into the deserted places before he goes out into action. And he uses language like he often withdrew to deserted places. That's Luke 5, 16. 
toward the end of his life. In the book of Luke, uh, he describes how he went into the Garden of Gethsemane. You might know this story, where Jesus is praying, God, take this cup from me. But Luke actually points out that this was the thing Jesus was in the habit of doing. You see, none of his disciples were surprised when he went to the garden to pray, because like Luke says, this is just what he did. And it was out of that place that Jesus moved into mission. See, you can't disconnect an intimate relationship with God from a life lived out of obedience to God. Being with God drives us to obedience. Jesus would often retreat to be with his father. He would be reminded of his identity as the beloved son, fully aware of who he is in his humanity, fully integrated as a person, and then from there go out and bring life and healing to anyone in his path. That retreating away, it feels so counterproductive sometimes. It's not action, right? I think we need to redefine productivity in our lives. Think about how much ministry Jesus did while he was on his way from one place to another. You see, when I'm on my way somewhere, I'm I'm usually in a hurry and I'm not coming from this healthy spot that Jesus demonstrated. And so I walk right past whatever it is God has for me. But I love the book of Matthew uh, chapter nine. I'm not gonna read it, but there's, there's a story where Jesus is teaching and then somebody runs in and says, my daughter is dead. We need you to come quickly. So he's on his way and then all of a sudden a woman suffering from bleeding reaches out and touches his garment and Jesus stops. She's healed in that moment. Jesus goes on to bring this girl back to life. And then just a little bit later, it says, as Jesus went on from there, right, as he was going, two blind men are found. They're following him and and he stops and he actually heals them. Then just a few verses later, this is all in uh, Matthew chapter nine. Just as they were going out, a demon-possessed man. So Jesus is still on his way back from this one moment that he was trying to pursue, and three interruptions happen that equal two healings and a demon possession being released from a man because Jesus came out of the healthy place of his time with the Father so that he could be fully present with those around him. One of our growing convictions around here is that we must be with God before doing for God. I believe that if we get being with God, right, we will be shocked by how God can use that. Though the nations rage and the earth gives way, our foundation is our awareness of the presence of God. Now, I'm sure some of you out there are like me. You're an introverted contemplative, and you're so excited to to start incorporating. Maybe you have been incorporating this practice into your life. Then there's others of you that are the raging extroverts that checked out 20 minutes ago because you're like, that's not my thing, that's for some other people. Uh, we, when we were talking about this message, uh, we decided, man, it would be so valuable to invite somebody out who actually is that extroverted person who maybe doesn't naturally uh, incline to this. I wanna invite my friend Chris out here on stage and he's gonna be able to share a little bit about what uh, his journey has been like uh, on the path to connecting with the Father in this way. So uh, this is my friend Chris and uh, uh, we're excited just to be able to talk with you a little bit. Uh, Chris. I know a lot of people here probably know of you. Maybe uh, many people here know you, but I think there are many people who don't. So how would you answer the question, like, why, why this guy? Why is this the guy to, to talk to us about this a little bit? Good question, good question. I'm a really good Christian. I have it figured out. <laughs> That's exactly why we have it. So. Um, <laughs> uh, I'd say uh, the reason I'm up here, um, so a little bit of context. I have been, I've been here about 14 years. I came here to lead worship, and... 
during that time, I've gotten to like work with and learn from tons of just like really great, wonderful, influential, wise people. And so, yeah, you'd think like I'm here to tell you that I learned all the good stuff from them. And so now I'm a professional Christian and that's why I'm here to teach you how to do it. Uh, but <laughs> uh, I'd say like, so I've always had a bit of a, a hard time, a bit of a struggle making my faith my own. Um, just kind of struggling with being myself. I can tend to be a bit of a chameleon and kind of adapt to who I need to be around the right people and, um, and just kind of figure that well, there's, there's like smart people who have figured out the things. And so I'll just do what they say and, and follow what they're, where they're going. Seems, seems like it makes sense. Like they've figured it out. So I don't, I don't really need to, I'll just kind of do what they do. And so when it comes to like a, a quiet time idea or like time with the Lord or like praying, I would just, okay, well, those people do that. I'll try that. Well, so that doesn't work so well for someone like me who is not super great at being alone. Like I never, I've never really done alone super great. I like to be around people and like tell a joke and get a laugh and hang out. And even in college, like when I had homework to do, I would go find somebody who has homework to do and sit in the same room with them. I was just not, I was not a fan of sitting there by myself. And so um, not, not my like, forte, sitting in my own brain. Um, and I think you mentioned it earlier, something about this inner monologue, I think something like that, where you think in your head. That doesn't really happen for me as much. I think like outside my head, you know, through my mouth. Call, it's an external monologue for good. That's yeah. the one, that's the one. Um, so sitting quietly in a room, um, yeah, stacked against me a little bit. And the, like ADD thing doesn't super help, you know, just getting distracted and stuff like that. So I would say, yeah, the reason I'm up here is because I gave up a bit. I mean, I think I wouldn't say that like I came out one day and said, I give up on this, but I just had like, yeah, after a while. <laughs> yeah. And I, like I resonate with that story. Not like, again, I'm, I'm an introvert, so I don't resonate with that part particularly, but Silence is still hard, right? And I, I look around this room and I see, this is a room full of people I think resonate with, with the struggle that you and I have felt. So um, maybe just describe your journey. Obviously, like you haven't figured it out, but there's, uh, there's something that God's been like doing in you lately. So yeah, what's that journey been like? So yeah, like um, here in the last, I don't know, couple years, just like getting more and more in need of something and not sure what and kind of leaning on my, own steam as more and more. And, and then a couple months ago, I was given the opportunity to take a bit of a break and get away for a couple days. And there was this like lead up to it where it was like, just go spend some time with the Lord and be alone with him. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so it happened. And um, so basically like this, these couple of days I spent just actively trying my bet. No, I won't even say that. Like once I got there, um, I let go of accomplishing something. Like I let go of trying to figure something out. And when I say that I was releasing that, I was like, that means like I was like actively every five minutes, I would be like, oh, okay, God, I'm sorry. I, I can't figure this out. I need you. I was like, just kind of actively letting go of trying to figure something out or trying to accomplish praying. And that's when, that's when like being with God started to make, started to take shape, like for me. Like 
I started to notice and remember things that I maybe had learned early on or like throughout my life that the ways that I connect to the Lord, like being outside and being among nature, like in the shade of a tree, like things like that would connect me to him. Like this one, I'm going to sound like a crazy person, but like out loud conversations, like walking or if I was hiking somewhere, like talking with God, like he's walking along with me because he is. But I just started to like, I even, I was telling us, I'll tell these guys a story about like, even there was one time I was hiking and I like started to like slip on some ice and snow and stuff. And I was, I was like out loud laughing and being like, God, I'm going down here anytime. I don't know when, like, we're just walking around like laughing together. I know that sounds, it might sound great, sound crazy to you, but you know, when you're, when you're hiking with someone or walking and sometimes you talk and sometimes you listen and sometimes no one talks and you just kind of enjoy the scenery. There's like these things that I started to kind of put together for ways that like I connect with the Lord or like guided prayer, just like reading a question and sitting with that question and listening for a while. Or even the way I read my Bible, like people always talk about like audio Bible and I would hit play and I'd be like, I can't do this. But then I I like slowed it down a little bit. You know, you can like slow the speed a little. And I was like, oh, I can keep up with this now. Like just little things like that started to take shape. And it was just the first time I feel like I've ever experienced like truly being with the Lord, but not, I wasn't just trying to do it the way someone else has been doing it. Yeah, I I think what Chris is hitting on here is something that it seems like such a duh statement, but I think we need to hear it is that like God wanted to relate to the Chris that he created. Like God wants to relate to to the Jeremy that he's made me to be. So when you feel like I can't relate to the Lord, is it possible that maybe you like Chris, like myself, are trying to do it the way you know somebody else does it? And when God's right next to you saying, no, 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 I created you a certain way. Like I wanna meet you there. I wanna meet you like that. So I think that's something that I needed to hear. Um, As you think, Chris, about like uh, thinking along that journey, I, I know just from being around you that like, you can't wait to get to the, your next moment alone with the Lord. Um, so maybe like answer the question, what makes you want to spend time with the Lord? Um, so there's kind of, a, there's kind of twofold. Like I, I, I feel like God's shown me that spending time with him doesn't have to be like somewhere alone and quiet. It's like being with him on the way or like practicing the presence of God. If you've heard that, phrase, like just acknowledging that he's with me and that you can, in a moment, like just shift your mind to him and be reassured of something or be able to release something. But then there's also like looking forward to being alone with the Lord. Like (laughs) I kind of joke about how powerful for me being in nature is. And like, there's sometimes I feel like when we are having a conversation about something or like, should we do this or this? I'm like, just give me a minute. I need to go find a tree. I'm gonna go find a tree and I'll go sit under Big it. Fan like, of trees. I just like, I look forward to time when I can spend with the Lord now in a new way because I don't feel like I have to go and pass something or like accomplish something or walk away with an answer. It's like I get to go and sit with him and I might experience like being refueled or re-strengthened, or, or like the invitation to release something. I think that's a big thing because I just walk around my day every day I, and I'm sure that some of you do, and just owning something you shouldn't, and you have no clue. And it's not like the, this time is time that you have to force yourself to think of those things. It's like, I'm just gonna be open to 
going where the Lord leads my mind. And inevitably, he just, he meets me there and, and directs me where I need to go. So just recentering and refocus and there's just like a, I won't say, it's like not like a magical thing where like if I'm super stressed and then I'm like, okay, just give me a couple minutes. All right, what's up? I don't care. Like, but there's just something um, reassuring and, and strengthening and fueling about actually letting the Lord lead you in a moment. Yeah, that's really freeing. Um, okay, so just like very, very practically now for a little bit, I know like many of us, I think, feel like... Uh, this sounds good, but maybe I just struggled to figure out like how to get there. Like how do I bridge the gap between where I am and where I want to be? So do you have any advice for us who are just like wanting to engage in this, but maybe feels like there's a barrier there? I would say um, one thing is don't be confused about the point. Like the, what the point is of spending time with the Lord isn't, it's not that it's something to pass or fail or like, I did this today, so that's the thing on the list that I was told I was supposed to do. Um, It's not a thing to be good or bad at. The point of time with the Lord is that it's an invitation to just be in relationship with him. It's just an invitation to listen or to speak. It's not a win or a lose. So don't be confused about the point, because that's what I've spent years of my life just very confused on that point. And then I would say, the other one, the last thing I would say is just don't be confused about the how. God made every person, everybody who can hear my voice, he made you differently than he made the person next to you. And it's, it makes perfect sense that you wouldn't ex- experience or find the Lord in the same way that that person does. So do what works. Start small. Find ways that you can accept the invitation to be around him, not just because someone else said to do it that way. I just encourage all of you, and I'm, I'm saying this to myself too, so that I know that there's times when I can get caught back up in comparing myself to somebody else and thinking like, oh, I, I kind of do wish I could like read this this way and, and think through it like a, like a smart person does, but <laughs> just be you. Let, let yourself connect to the Lord the way he made you to do it.